Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, November 29, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book in the doctor's opinion, and we are at page XXVIII, the fourth paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Tenzin P., for the 12 traditions, Susan O., Reading the text are Tina S., Lisa B., and Rachel W. The reference numbers for Tuesday, November 28th are for 7 a.m., 10719, and 10 a.m., 10721. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, uh, everyone. Tenzin P. checking in from outside New York City. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
you very much. Thank you, Tenzin. I will now ask Susan O to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, this is Susan O from the Connecticut Shore bringing you the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Operators Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. And thank you for letting me do service. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Susan. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To, pre to share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXVIII, paragraph four. And we will be reading just the first three sentences of that paragraph and commenting on those three sentences, which Tina S. is going to read. Thanks so much, Katie, for your service, Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. Wow, what a mouthful, for sure. You know, and uh, when I read that stuff, I get the chills because that is just so, was just so my life. You know, it says they drink essentially, you know, basically 
naturally is what that means. And and the reason being because I get an effect, a result. Some I get something from it, at which uh, alcohol or food uh, produces for me. And you know, and I'm I'm assuming early on in my life because I started as a compulsive eater very early on, so I can't really remember that I ate to squelch or to quell some kind of um, situation, something, some feeling in my life. I don't, you know, I, I never ended up eating thinking, you know, I'm eating because it satisfies me or because it comforts me. That's not what that did for me. By the time I was done, there was no comfort in it, you know. And then it also says that the sensation or the feeling is elusive, you know. I forget. I can't recall. That's what elusive means. And, and it's injurious. You know, it causes harm every time. You know, and I l- looked up the definition of differentiate a long time ago, and it says, cannot tell the difference between fantasy and reality. And then this sentence says, after a time, we cannot differentiate the true from the false. You know, the false for me was the fantasy for sure. But it became my truth. You know, at when, once I lived this stuff over and over, it be, I had to believe the false was my truth. Because I could, I wouldn't be able to continue to act that way if I didn't think it was a truth for me, you know. And it caused so much harm, you know. I'm real, really grateful today that we'll go on and look at some stuff that you know where the phenomenon of craving sets off the you know um, obsession and compulsion. And uh, I'm so grateful today that I know that I have an allergy. That once I put this stuff in my body, I cannot stop. And that differentiates me from the normal eater. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Tina. Okay, we're just going to focus on those first three sentences, men and women drink essentially. Who would like to share? Madam? Harlan G. Deborah V. Sarah Sarah G. Sarah G. Sarah G. Barbara E. Matt S. I got you, Barbara. Shannon S. Larry W. Rowan M. Sasha Okay. Um, I got someone. Okay, Rowan. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I'm getting a little bit confused here. Let's just stop here, and um, I'll tell you who I have. Okay, Deborah V. Sarah G, Barbara E, Harlan G, Matt M, Shannon S, Larry K, Rowan, I think it was Rowan W, and Vasa O. How's that? Okay. Deb V, please go ahead, and everyone else, please mute. Hi, this is Deborah V, recovered compulsive overeater from the great state of New Jersey. Good morning, everyone. What a great reading. Uh, For me, the effect of my alcoholic food created a state of complete numbness. I just, the phenomenon of craving that I experienced, um, I couldn't, I couldn't understand, number one, what I was feeling at any given time. And I, and I saw my disease helped me to focus on things that were not relevant to seeing what was happening to my body and my mind and my spirit. And it got illustrated by the fact that I would only look at my head when I looked in the mirror, that my body was decompensating from the injury that this allergy 
was causing, you know, uh, my body, this effect. You know, it's really funny. I have a, a friend who's allergic to shrimp. And when she eats shrimp, her throat closes and she gets really sick. And guess what? She doesn't eat shrimp anymore. But yet, this elusiveness, this, this sense of um, um, not being able to differentiate uh, an, from abnormal to normal can, helped me or aided in my continuance of my illness and my disease to eat more uh, to the point where I could no longer function in my body. I couldn't wash myself. I couldn't care for myself. And through the miracle of these rooms, I found a solution. And that is the great fact and the great truth. So, um, you know, I, I just want to say that um, although for many years I lived in that injurious state that is discussed in those three sentences, um, I wanted to definitely put out there for the newcomer that there is a solution and that um, I don't have to live my life that way anymore with the help of you and my higher power. So with that, I pass, and I wish everybody a great day. Thanks. Thank you, Deborah. And Sarah G., you're up, followed by Barbara E. My name is Sarah G., compulsive overeater, uh, recovered just for today. Uh, thank goodness. Um, so. I, I love that we're just looking at those three sentences. And of the three, the, the thing that really stood out for me was the sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. And I, um, being bulimic, I would uh, eat voraciously until I couldn't uh, stuff myself, until I couldn't eat anymore. And then I would throw it up, um, and I got to the point where I couldn't see that that was harmful. Um, And it became my life. It became what I did every day. Um, Although I would wake up in the morning and I would say to myself, you're not going to do this today. This is the day when you're going to quit. And under my own willpower, I tried to quit. And that did not work. I just couldn't. I could not quit. So every day after in the morning, having said those words to myself, sometime during the day, usually the afternoon, I would start binging and purging again. And it was like I had no control. In fact, I didn't have any control by myself. And I kept thinking, where is your willpower, Sarah? Uh, And buck up, girl. (laughs) And I just could not get myself um, all together. And so I'm so grateful for this program because um, for OA because now I see that I could never have done it, that it is uh, something that of my own volition I couldn't uh, correct. I couldn't change. I couldn't do anything about. And it is through a higher power and um, the 12 steps that I can make a change in my life. Um, I have not binged and purged for uh, almost 20 years, and um, I'm so grateful for that. My life has changed tremendously, and with that, I pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Sarah. Barbara E., you're up, followed by Harlan G. Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara E. in New Jersey. I was was surprised that we were only reading those three sentences, but I understand it totally now. I just underlined three times. Um, They cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. That was me. I lived in a permanent state of forgetting, forgetting what it felt like, the consequences of binging. I would say, I'm not going to do it again. I'll just eat this till Monday. I'll just stop on Monday. I'll stop when I finish the bag. Oops, it's on sale. Okay, I'll buy it on sale, and I'll have it just this once, that salty, fatty thing that comes in a bag. I could not resist it. And then going back to the frothy emotional appeal, appeal, standing at the checkout, lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Um, I can eat anything I want. Just take the cabbage soup diet and eat all day. Only eat vegetables. I bought into it all. The only thing that would bring me back to a harsh reality was a doctor saying I was losing my eyesight, a doctor saying I would need a knee operation, a doctor saying I was slipping into diabetes. Uh, When doctors scared me, one even said he wanted to wire my chin together. I would not do surgery. That wasn't even an issue back in the day because I joined OA gratefully, desperately, last stop on the block in 1996. And I was willing to push that proverbial peanut across the ground. You told me what to do. And like I've heard here, I didn't say yes, but I said yes, ma'am. And I did it. And then I learned slowly, but surely, I learned that it was more than just the tools. I had to have that psychic change or I would inevitably go back to the food again because that sensation, that elusive sensation of calm and relaxation and freedom from anxiety and fear would overtake me again and I would eat again. I didn't want that. And I realized that this is a textbook for living and through the 12 steps and the tools, I could be happier, joyous, and free. Not every day. Not every day, because I am imperfect. But I can pray for guidance every day. I want that those promises to come true. But in order for them to come true, I have to take action. I have to be aware. I have to accept. And I have to ask the three A's that keep me coming back day after day, month after month, year after year. Thank you so much to everyone for your service, for being here today. I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Harlan G., you're up, followed by Matt M. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for your service. Thank you to Team Wednesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. This paragraph is the foundation 
It is the floor on which we walk into the palace of recovery. There are a few paragraphs that are as impactful as this one. Now, we only read the first three sentences, and that's fine, because this paragraph merits careful examination for sure. Why would I throw away my childhood? Why would I throw away every dream that I've ever dreamed? Why would I sit in the pain of unrequited crushes? And why would I sit in the, in the pain of unfulfilled dreams? And for decades, I've heard people coming into OA and they say, I eat because I'm Jewish. I eat because I'm German. I eat because I'm Italian. I eat because my husband, my wife, my daughter, my son, whatever. No, uh-uh. If we are compulsive overeaters, we eat because we like the effect produced by certain foods. M&M's with peanuts does something for me, for me, not to me, not just to me. It does something to me. But M&M's with peanuts does something for me that boiled chicken with no skin just doesn't seem to do. M&M's with peanuts gives me about nine seconds of the most glorious euphoria I've ever felt in my life. M&M's with peanuts and Oreo cookies will make the world a very, very beautiful place for about nine seconds. And I chase that effect my entire life. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the fact that food is never the problem. It's the solution to the problem. But for today... What I need to remember is every single time I ate Oreo cookies, I tried to talk myself into the fact that this time was going to be different. This time, I'm just going to eat two. I'm just going to eat three, and I would eat them all. And I could not differentiate the true from the false. And the true is food doesn't work. The truth is food doesn't change the world. It just makes it seem like it's different. And in the aftermath of the food, now I've got all the problems I had before plus the pall of the horror of what I've just done, the shame and the horror of what I've just done. Why would I throw my life away? Why would I give myself stretch marks when I was just a teenager? Why would I make it so that I was 335 pounds as a senior in high school? Why would I make it so that as a sophomore in college, I was over 500 pounds? Why would I make it so that I went on my first date when I was 35 years old? Why would I live in that loneliness? Because food does something for me that I never found anywhere else until I worked the steps in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And today I am free, and in the freedom there's work, but there is the true happiness that Time. comes from this. With that, I will pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Madam, you're up, followed by Shannon S. I have to follow Harlan. That's impossible, but I'll, I'll try. Good morning, everyone. This is Madam Compulsive Overeater. Um, I want to talk about the sensation of being elusive. That means failing to allow for a complete mental grasp of the situation. And um, I admit that I, it is injurious every time I eat. I cannot differentiate the truth from the false. This does seem like a normal life for me. I didn't know anything else. So I'm basically grateful that um, 
I'm basically grateful that I can get, I can um, stop with the food and stop trying to chase that mental obsession to try to get that sense of ease and comfort that I usually get when I pick up the food. It's not easy, you know. I, and I don't understand also the time why I do it half the time. It's, but I do like the effect is that it only lasts for nine seconds, that effect, and then afterwards I'm in the middle of it all, you know. But anyway, I just wanted to say that I'm really grateful that uh, I could do, I can differentiate truth from the false, and I, my life, my alcohol life is not going to be the normal one. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Shannon S., you're up, followed by Larry Kay. Good morning. This is Shannon S., uh, recovered compulsive overreader, anorexic in New York. Um, thanks, Katie, so much for your service. Um, thank you for everybody on the line to share so far. Um, <clears throat> when I when I think of uh, those those three lines, I I think of um, absolutely. I mean, um, I have through numerous relapses over and over. Um, I have proved to myself for today that I am an addict, um, and I chase that effect. But the crazy part for me is that. I chase that effect that I get for a very short time when I um, either um, starve myself or I binge or I purge in some way. But, um, you know, I forget part, a big part of my disease is that amnesia is that I forget that after that very short, finite period of time, um, the effect that comes from there. And that is the spiral. That is the avalanche that, brings me down to my darkest bottom. And um, it, it is, uh, I, was, I was listening to a special edition yesterday and the speaker was sharing um, about how um, unbeknownst to them, they were having a medical procedure and um, they had gotten some, some dextrose water. And all of a sudden, the next day, the food was, was calling to them and um, the food was dancing, they said. And, um, you know, for me is that today, I can know that I know that I know that I'm an addict, that I need to abstain from certain foods, from certain behaviors. And in five minutes or 10 minutes, even without my knowing, if I ingest something, all of a sudden that goes totally out the window, is that I cannot trust my finite self. And that's what this program gives me. I mean, you know, I... I didn't, couldn't admit that what I was doing was injurious, you know. Oh, well, you know, I'm still eating, um, but everybody's looking at me and saying, oh, Shannon, we're really worried about you. Oh, my gosh, I'm looking at, you know, I'm, I'm a woman and I'm not getting my menstrual cycle. Well, it's not that big of a deal. That's injurious. And it's not just injurious to me. It is injurious to people around me because I withdraw. I mean, my children, they, especially my oldest, they experience. Um, a lot of injury as a result of my compulsive eating and my compulsive food behaviors that I had no clue what I was doing. And, um, you know, today it's still clearing up that wreckage of the past. You know, the family afterward talks about that. It takes a while. It doesn't just all of a sudden, poof, I become recovered and everybody else is recovered and, and all the damage is undone. No, it took a long time for that damage to happen and it's going to take a long time to repair it. But you know what? Today I have a solution and it's not just um, based on medical science. It's not just based on <clears throat> self-knowledge. It is a spiritual solution that transcends and overpowers and is bigger than all of that finite stuff because I have an infinite God today that has led me through the steps along with the 
a step guide and has led me to a place where now I can truly live and that I can repair that wreckage. And that um, I'll just close with this is that last night, um, my daughter and I had a, a conflict. She's 11. And um, I was able to share with her um, that I have a hard time controlling my emotional nature too. But with God's help, I can do it. And um, with God's help, she can do it. And that is a gift of this program that I could be present. Thank you all, and I pass. Thank you, Shannon. Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Roanne W. Thanks, Katie. Hi, I'm Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive reader uh, from Chicago. Thanks for your service, Katie. The, um, so I, I, not much to add to what everyone added to these three sentences. But let me let me say that you could read these three sentences. You could read this paragraph and the next paragraph and stay stuck for the, to your grave. You know why? Because I can't think my way out of this obsession. I can't intellectualize my way out of this obsession. I can't guilt my way out of this obsession. I cannot outrun this obsession. I can't even sleep my way out of this obsession because when I wake up, these three sentences, this paragraph, the next paragraph, they're right here. The facts are the facts. So you know where I am based on this? If I internalize this, if I read this and I accept it, I'm perpetually screwed. And that's the play. And that's a beautiful place to be when I can. You know why it's a beautiful place to be? Because when I can finally recognize that I am perpetually screwed based on this, these facts, I might, just, I might be desperate enough to work the steps and trust in the process in order to be brought into alignment with the higher power of my own understanding. We don't concede to our innermost self. That, that, that's what's required, right, to take the first step. We cannot concede to our innermost self based on conception, based on words, we only concede through action. So if you're picking up your food and you say, yes, I've read the three cents. I've read this five billion times, but I'm still eating. You have conceded nothing. How do I know? Because that was me. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've memorized the entire book. You could, you could, you could r repeat <laughs> these, these three sentences and many more out of the big book, and, you, and yet you got frosting in your hair crumbs on your keyboard. I know, been there, done that. You've conceded nothing. I conceded nothing until I began to take the actions based on this information. So you can come here every day and maybe get a little entertained, informed, feel a connection to the fellowship, and you've conceded nothing. And you'll still die of this disease, whether you're vomiting, you know, and or whether you're whether you're compulsive eating or cycling through these things, you've conceded nothing. I needed to understand that to get this compassionate, compassionate, beautiful, beautiful, wonderful prescription for crossing the bridge to freedom. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay, Roanne W., you're up, followed by Basa O. Hi, my name is Roanne M., and I'm calling in from New okay, York sorry. City. and. That's okay. Um, 
So I wanted to comment about these sentences. They mean a lot to me. Uh, these three sentences describe my disease and injurious is quite the understatement. Uh, these sentences talk about the tremendous strength of the effect. And it's the effect that pulled me in over and over again and lied to me without fail. Why would I keep hurting myself and abusing myself and my body and causing physical and emotional pain to myself if I wasn't getting something from it? I must have gotten something from it. The euphoric recall where I was remembering only the good and nothing of the terror that the food was bringing upon my life, the misery. Until finally, I was so beaten down and so mangled by this illness that the effect wasn't doing what it used to do. It is the unbearable pain that finally brought me to my knees, that made me willing to do things differently. It worked until it didn't. The food worked until it didn't. And I thank God for the gift of desperation that I experienced. I believe that one cannot change unless they are in an incredible amount of pain. And that's what had to happen for me. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Roanne. And Vasa O, you're up. Yes, thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Impulsive Ovita calling from Florida, and this is where I was when I came in the program. It's um, I thank God, my higher power, which I call God today, that led me to Overeaters Anonymous. I had no clue what was the matter with me. I I just knew I could not stop eating after trying to do it for many, many, many years, and and do all the diets that I heard or I was told by doctors, and nothing, nothing worked, and. I had no clue about the allergy. And like when I read doc, the doctor's opinion and I heard from other people about the allergy, I was just so shocked to to hear that was allergy of the body. And I was terrified it was going to kill me. If I continued doing what I was doing, it was going to kill me. But it says men and women drink essentially because they like the effects produced by alcohol and that was me. I loved, I loved the effects that produced from my alcoholic foods. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, uh, after a time, differentiate the truth from the false. And it was killing me. It really was killing me. But uh, somehow I thought that was normal. I didn't want to, I was going to die. I said, I'm going to stop for a day or two or three days, you know, and I would, but the mental obsession would always go back. This is before I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And then I took it very, very seriously when I came to this program, you know. I said to myself, if I don't do what these people are telling me to do, I'm just going to die. Yes, it was injurious, you know. I was beginning to develop high blood pressure. I was on the borderline um, um, diabetic. I used little bulimia, I used little anorexia, whatever, you know, to try to control it. None of it, none of it worked. So grateful I stayed and listened. And in order to work the step, the 12 steps, I heard I had to put the food down. I'm not saying it was easy. 
I hated putting those alcoholic foods down because I loved the effects of them. But I did not want to die. And I had a choice, Vasa, live or die. And I chose to live. I had kids to raise. And I was young. I was only 41 years old when I came to, to the program. I'm 73 years old this next year. I, I mean, these are the best years of my life, being in it for many, many, many years, dealing with life and life problems, good and bad. This is it. Thank you very much for letting me share in our past. Thank you, Vasa. Oh, so if you're just joining us, um, okay, there's a very loud noise. <laughs> um, okay, we are on the first three sentences on the first on the fourth paragraph on page XXVIII. Men and women drink essentially. Who would like to share on those three sentences? Danielle O. G. Danielle O. G. Susan H. Pat K. Susan H. Pat K. Okay, just one moment. Camille G. Yes, I got you, Camille. Thank you. Marion H. Okay, let's stop there. Okay, I tried to write very quickly. I have Lisa B., Danielle, I think it's O, Janice M., Camille G., I think it was Susan, but I don't know the initial. Pat, I think I heard, and Jean, Jeannie, and Marion H. Okay, Lisa B., you're up, followed by Danielle O. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Lisa B. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And these three sentences are just so powerful, so powerful. I wish I could just go, you know, and convey everything I want to say. So I'm going to try and put it into words. Um, Well, the word effect, I mean, effect. I have been seeking an effect my entire life. Um, I have not been happy with reality and life. And I have just wanted to have a change. And effect is a sensation, a feeling or perception resulting from something that happens to come into contact with my body. Well, that's what I have been seeking. You know, and perception is consciousness, grasp, understanding. I could not understand anything going on around me. And to me, it was just frightening. It was hard. It was difficult or it was too boring. And the thing uh, with me with this illness is I am an effect seeker. Every day I seek an effect. And today, My effect is a deep and effective spiritual awakening, and I can't live on yesterday's spiritual awakening. I need to have it each and every day through these steps. And then, you know, true means fact or reality. Well, like I just shared, I have a very hard time accepting truth and reality, and these steps enable me. Um, By getting entirely abstinent and working these steps, I am able... um, to accept as very best I can with God's help and by being recovered, truth and reality. I'm, I'm saying that right now. It's like, be careful what you say because suddenly some big hammer could come and hit me and then I'll be really upset about fact and reality. But, you know, the truth is today that I do have a way of living. I never knew how to live. I just didn't have a clue. And that's why I love this big book. It's a manual for living. So for me, when I got entirely abstinent for the first time and started listening to this meeting and hearing sanity and uh, people talking from a recovered state, one of the things I heard shared that really jumped out at me was how this disease is so subtle. It's very elusive. It's difficult to find. 
difficult to recall, difficult to catch. Um, so it's like warm, comfortable arms that go on around me. And at first they feel okay. And I'm like, wow, this is okay. This is giving me a nice effect. But then they squeeze, and I can't get free. And I'm, again, like everything, I'm borrowing that from something that someone shared on this line that just, like, spoke volumes for me. And that's why I am so passionate about this line, because I am an effect seeker. My true drug of no choice is always been the food. I need to have an effect through the steps. I need to have a spiritual awakening. And I can't live on yesterday's or last month's or last year's spiritual experience. It needs to be every day, every day living in these steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Danielle O., you're up, followed by Janice M. Hi, this is Danielle from Talk to Edith. And very grateful to be here on this meeting this morning. Coming back from the Danielle, there's a lot of background noise. I'm not sure where you are. Oh, there it is, what I am. Okay, hold on a second. I'll see if this gets any better. Is that any better? I hope so. Yes, it's a little so, better. Thank you. The cutting baffling powerful part is what comes to mind. <clears throat> you know, the cutting part for me is I, I tell myself the lie. The, the baffling part is I believe the lie. And the very last part is the powerful part is I'll go along through the day thinking I'm just fine. You know, and those are the things that get me into trouble. You know, the, the, this disease is in my mind and, and it's in my brain and I can't walk away from that. So the only relief I get is by turning my will and my life over. And those are the things that I didn't know how to do when I first got here. And even today it can, it can still creep up on me. But I want some way or another I want to control something in my life. You know, I, I've, I've been abstinent, and I've, I, and I've had different flips in, my, in my, uh, my time, and each one of them shows me how powerful my mind can be and make myself believe those lies. And I keep coming back to that, and I keep thinking, wait a minute, there's something that I'm missing. And it was earlier when I heard, you know, conceding to my innermost self. My sponsor asked me this morning to, to ask myself throughout the day, you know, am I doing my best? Am I doing God's will? Is it, is it really my very best? And, you know, most of the days, I'm probably not doing my best. And there are some days that I, get, I go through the day and food's not a big issue or I'm not thinking about it or what I'm going to eat next. Or, you know, and, and, you know, those are just the little things that kind of seep into my brain and stay there throughout the day. And nobody knows that they sit there than me, other than me. So I know I have a very um, addictive nature, and I know I need to deal with that daily. And by coming here, I get to hear that. I get to hear the solution and open my mind and my heart up just a little bit more. And those are the things I look for. That's why I enjoy coming here, and although I haven't been here in a little while, I just wanted to share that because those are the things that I, I, I'm dealing with today. And hopefully, you know, just by being here today, I'll have a little bit of a reprieve from my own thinking and from my own obsessiveness. So thank you everyone for being a part of my abstinence today. That's all. Thank you, Danielle. Janice M., you're up, followed by Camille G. 
Well, good morning to you, KDF and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yeah, this is the paragraph of paragraphs because this is all, you know, referring to this first step. Dr. Dr. Silkwork, you know, is is explaining again how how we need alcoholics, I mean, uh, for us, compulsive overeaters, <clears throat> Alcoholics Anonymous. All right. So now, um, you know, men and women... Well, I believe he's talking about alcoholics or compulsive overeaters because it wouldn't pertain to a non-compulsive overeater. So if I or you um, identify with this, right away I know this is that I am a compulsive overeater, a real one, because um, because like like it was said earlier, Non-alcoholics, non-compulsive overeaters do not like the effect produced by alcohol, which I didn't like the effect. I just started getting, when I used to drink, you know, with one or two, I would start getting a little tipsy, and I didn't like that effect, you know, and I could stop. I could stop, not because I was great. I could stop because, you know, I was getting tipsy, and, 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 I, and I, I could have that choice, but... Give me a donut, you know. That was so different. I'm a compulsive overeater because I, uh, you know, I couldn't stay away from that next bite. Like the alcoholic can't stay away from that next drink. It causes a problem in my life, the alcohol. I was getting dizzy, you know, I couldn't walk, even with a couple of drinks. It just, so I, it was so easy. But with the compulsive overeating, my compulsive overeating, I couldn't stop. I was just starting. That's the difference. I couldn't stop. I was just starting. Why? Because that is the baffling feature. You know, it created a phenomenon of craving as a result of an allergy. So that's the abnormal reaction to drinking alcohol or to eating, for me, certain substances. So very very baffling the phenomenon of craving. And I had to realize that that's what this is. I can identify so much with this, with this paragraph, you know, um, with the uh, the idea of not telling. I could tell the truth when I was drinking, but I couldn't tell the truth when I was eating. I couldn't I couldn't tell the difference between the truth because, you know, of the effect. I, I, I just couldn't. It, it was just impossible. So the you know after a while we lose the ability to tell the truth from the false. I went insane. My thinking became insane, not which means not being able to tell the truth from the false. With that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Okay, Camille G, you're up, followed by Susan, and we'll try to get as many in as we can. We still have five more people to share. Thank you. Camille, go ahead. Hi, this is Camille G in Israel. Thank you. I'll be brief um, to get those other folks in. And thank you, everybody, for your service. Um, thank you to the moderator and to everybody listening and participating as well. Um, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. So I looked up effect, and it says an impression produced in the mind of a person. And the effect I liked was that it quieted the world for me. Um, as long as I was chewing, 
the world became a quiet place to live in. My mind became quiet. Um, everything appears to be now manageable. In the flash of a bite of a cookie, the whole world became manageable for me. And um, I fell prey to that for years and years and years. I can still fall prey to that today. And as a result of knowing that one day at a time, the effect I go after today is the effect I can get from working with others and the effect I can get from working my own 12 steps and the effect I get from doing the um, train every day and, and reviewing my life for that day with the 11th step. And um, it didn't matter to me that it was injurious. It, it didn't matter. As long as I was chewing, nothing mattered. And it didn't matter what I was chewing as long as I was chewing. Um, that's what it came to me. So today what I chew on instead is, is this program. You know, I listen to special editions. I listen to the vision um, in Israel because it's a meeting I can attend on the telephone every single day. And that's the effect I want today. I want the effect of um, my mind is quieted today by the 12 steps and I don't need to be chewing. Thank you. Thank you, Camille. Okay, Susan, I, I'm not sure if it's Susan O. Um, Susan? It's who, Susan oh, H. Um, H. I'm a recovering compulsive you. overeater in Ohio. Thank you for, for allowing me to speak. Uh, yes, I essentially for the effect. The sh I have my notes written down. <laughs> the short-term effect was the ease and comfort that life as a compulsive eater could never give me. The long-term effects, my weight, the self-hatred, the miserable stuff feeling, that's where the disease kept me from differentiating between the true and the false till I was beaten. My new life, having worked the 12 steps, is so different from that, from that state. I have directions to quiet those disturbances, and I have my higher power who loves me unconditionally, who wants only the best for me. I'm filled with gratitude for the difference. So glad to be getting the effect from the 12 steps for today, not from the food. And with that, I close. Thanks. I pass. Thank you so much, Susan. Okay, Kat K, you're up, followed by Jeanette S. Maybe I didn't hear Kat K. Go ahead, please, Jeanette S. Oh, um, this is Jeanette S. Recovered in Maybrook, New York. Um, the the word that um, that I get that I want to talk about is the effect. Um, it really doesn't work for me when people compare uh an allergy to strawberries or an allergy to peanuts with the anaphylactic shock or shrimp with anaphylactic shock or you know those kinds of allergies um compare that with this allergy um i i don't know of anybody that has gotten an effect from peanuts or shrimp or I have uh, other allergies. I'm allergic to um, dairy, and I'm allergic to avocados, and I just get sick. 
I don't get the effect. Um, for me, the effect is a buzz, a hit, a high, and um, those are the things. That's the elusiveness. That's that's what I'm going for when I'm, um, you know, wanting to use whatever drug it is, um, sugar, flour, nicotine, whatever, alcohol. And so for me, it just doesn't, it just doesn't quite click when, when someone compares it to an allergy of peanuts. You know, when somebody's going to die, there's no effect. There's no positive, you know, uh, what we think is positive effect of that. So for me, it's just meh, not quite the right, not a, an equal analogy. Um, and and I do like what I just heard is that I do get the effect, I do get the hit, and I do get the high from doing these steps, from talking to my higher power, from having a higher power now, knowing that I'm loved. That's where I get my hit today, from these steps, from doing this work. And for that, I am so grateful. And with that, I pass. Okay, thank you. Um, Marion A., you're up. Hi. Oh, I was going to, this is Kat K. I was talking on mute. Good Sorry. morning. This is Marion H. from Staten Island, New York. New York. I just need to say that I'm nervous about sharing. I don't usually share. I've been listening to the vision since the beginning, and I'm so, so grateful that I'm able to listen. And thank you so much, everyone, for being on the line and for doing service and for making this most wonderful meeting that I call my home meeting possible. I'm so glad to be able to listen to the vision. For me, the food causes isolation and depression. I am so glad that for today, I'm not doing that. For today, I have God, who is my spiritual solution. And uh, like everybody else, I'm a compulsive eater, and I will die if I pick up sugar and white flour, and I need to remember that for the rest of my life. And it's all said in those, in these few sentences on the bottom of this page. And as long as I continue to work the steps and to talk to a sponsor and to make phone calls and not to isolate, I will be okay. But I need to do that every single day, no matter what happens in my life. And right now, there is nothing happening, so I'm very eager to work the program. It's when the chaotic times are in my life that that I decide to put um, my program on the side, and that's when I need it the most. So I'm just so afraid, you know, and that's hopefully a, a, a healthy fear that when something comes up, I will not deviate from the program and I will continue working with the sponsor and I will continue to share and work step 11 and work all the steps and I'm just so 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 grateful that I never left um, I have not accomplished losing the weight yet uh, I'm in the rooms for 43 years and each time I am abstinent I'm hoping that's going to be it for the rest of my life so I'm just so grateful for today, for my sponsor, and for my willingness, and for everyone who's on this line, and I'm going to pass. Thank you. 
Well, thank you so much, um, Marianne. And I apologize, Kat Kay, um, we, we don't have time to go back to you, but um, perhaps you can stay for the second hour. And I wanna thank everyone who helped to make this meeting possible today. Um, Tenzin for the 12 steps, Susan O, Tina S, Lisa B and Rachel W. Um, and we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lisa B please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, this is Lisa B. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.